Let us pray. And when he was come in, he did not eat and drink. And he said, Go, see now this cursed woman, and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. 2 Kings 9.34 As the anointing of the Lord moves through me, I will not stop until I pray and dismantle the works of the enemy around me. I will not relent until I remove any and all false gods and idols in my life. I decree and declare that I will honor you with my whole heart. Unlike Yehu, I will not walk away from you or your presence. I will not settle for a lukewarm relationship with you and your heart, Heavenly Father. When I am weary of doing well, I will refresh my soul by remembering all that you've done for me and by resting in your presence. Keep me through your unfailing love. Cover me with your outstretched arm because I know that it is only through your power that I will be able to experience good success. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for praying with me today. Continue listening for an incredible Bible story brought to you by BibleInAYear.com. The End of a Witch's Story In our last story, Elisha anointed Jehu as the next king of Israel. Jehu embraced his role as God's cleansing instrument. Jehu killed King Joram and King Ahaziah and began his mission to rid Israel of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel's evil influence. Now we learn of Jehu's time as king. He is used by God to heal Israel of all the sickness and evil it has been plagued with under Jezebel and Ahab. Jehu would fight for the freedom of Israel, but would the evil be too much for his human heart? Inspired by the book of Second Kings. Hello, this is Pastor Jack Graham with today's episode of the Bible in a Year podcast. In yesterday's scripture passage, we saw how God anointed a new king. His name was Jehu, and this new king ruled Israel with righteousness. Jehu would avenge the blood of the prophets, put to death by Jezebel, and would wipe out Ahab, the wicked king's family, beginning with Israel's king, Joram. God's desire was always for his people to turn to him rather than the idols they worshipped, and Jehu would be God's tool to accomplish these purposes. Today, we'll hear how the evil, wicked queen Jezebel finally faces the consequences of her evil. And we'll learn how God began to use Jehu to fight to free Israel from her bondage. But even as God uses Jehu, evil is still present, threatening to infect the new king's heart. So, let's listen to the word of God today. The west wind howled furiously. Gray clouds rolled in like waves on a shore. The sky was eerily dark as the witch queen Jezebel loomed over her window. It was open for cold wind to blow in. She stood up straight, as if challenging the storm to draw closer. She had heard of the king's demise. She had been told of Jehu's anointing and how he sent an arrow through her son's back. Now 
she waited for him. Her eyes were painted dark and her hair was fixed for a pagan ritual. She mumbled to herself silently, her gaze fixed on the dark horizon. Thunder boomed in the distance as Jehu rode towards the palace gates. He halted his horse when he saw Jezebel's dark eyes staring down at him through the palace window. Age had given her dark hair streaks of gray, but she maintained a sense of authority and strange power. Do you come in peace, Kingslayer? You murderous bastard! she shouted. Jehu looked closely through the opening where Jezebel stood. He could see two or three slaves behind her, cowering in fear. Are any of you on my side? Jehu shouted to them. If it is true freedom you desire, throw her down. Before Jezebel could even turn around, the three eunuch slaves burst towards the window, shoving Jezebel out her window. Her witch-like screams were drowned out by the distant thunder as she fell to her death. Her body fell beside the stables. Her blood covered the walls and the horses. Jehu rode towards her and crushed her body under the hooves of his horse. For minutes, Jehu made his horse trample her body. The sound of cracking bone and squishing flesh filled Jehu's ears. He paid no attention to it. He and many others had suffered miserably under Jezebel's wicked rituals. She had killed many people and stolen the innocence of Israel. All of Jehu's righteous rage that had been pent up for dozens of years unleashed on her lifeless corpse. As the thunder boomed, Jehu's horse delivered each blow with violent force. Finally, Jehu was finished. Panting heavily, Jehu gestured for his men to bury her. However, all that was left of her body to bury was her skull, feet, and hands. The old prophecy of Elijah concerning Jezebel echoed in Jehu's mind. In the land of Jezreel, dogs will eat Jezebel's body. Her remains will be scattered like fertilizer so that no one will remember her. A reckoning was required of Ahab's entire lineage because of the darkness he brought upon God's people. Jehu's mission was not yet complete. Because of Ahab's lewdness, he had sired seventy sons. All of them resided in the capital of Israel, Samaria. So Jehu sent messages to the elders of Samaria, saying, I know the king's sons are with you. Also with you are horses, chariots, fortifications, and weapons. Choose from among Ahab's sons a king, and I will face him in battle. The elders were dismayed at Jehu's letter. Fear shot up their spines. They knew Jehu had slain two kings himself. Ahab's weak sons could not face him, let alone rule a kingdom. So they sent a response to Jehu, saying, We and Ahab's sons are no match for you. What can we do to serve you? Jehu thought for a moment. He considered the cost of sparing the lives of Ahab's sons. However, he knew that the line must be eradicated. Too much generational wickedness flowed through their veins. Israel had been sent into a dark tunnel of despair because of that family. There was only one way to cleanse Israel of its sickness. Jehu sent a letter in return saying, If you are truly on the side of freedom, take the lives of your master's sons by this time tomorrow. Bring me their heads. The elders did as Jehu asked. The men that they had raised since birth 
were slain for their father's sins. Their heads were brought to Jehu and then put on display in front of the gates for all to see. It was a truly awful sight. No one relished in the deaths of these men, not even Jehu. It was the cost of evil. In the morning, Jehu cleared the heads and gathered the people of Israel. He spoke with boldness. However, he knew that the people were vulnerable right now. He must be reassuring. None of this is your fault, Jehu said. I am the one who killed the king. You have been victims of a wicked regime. This carnage is but a cleansing of that wickedness. Rest assured that this fulfills the words of God through Elijah. He prophesied that Ahab's descendants would be cut off from the blessings of Israel. The killing had taken its toll on Jehu, but it was not over yet. More relatives, close friends, and advisors had to perish before the stench of Ahab and Jezebel was wiped clean. Even visitors from Judah who came to see the sons of Ahab were taken and killed. More blood, more killing. Jehu's soul was beginning to feel the weight of it all. He clung to God. He clung to the healing of Israel. Soon, Jehu met a traveler by the name of Jehonadab. He was the founder of the Rechabites, followers of God dedicated to the pure worship of their Lord. Both Jehu and Jehonadab detested the pompousness of nobility and riches. Jehu found great comfort in his friend Jehonadab. The two of them were friends for a long while, dreaming about a better Israel. An Israel where men and women lived freely to worship their God and create a culture of flourishing. Yet even though Ahab's line had been eradicated, there was still a lingering sickness in Israel. There were still the temples of Baal. The false prophets of the false gods still spread their poisonous doctrine to innocent men and women. They fed lies of prosperity while sucking the souls of those that came for help. Jehu would have one final push to free Israel. Jehu gathered some of the prophets of Baal for a feast. He gathered them and told them to invite every man and woman of Baal they knew to a large gathering. There Jehu would sacrifice to Baal to pay homage as king. So the prophets gathered every worshiper of Baal. They were given special robes to identify themselves as loyal followers to the false god. Then, while all the followers of Baal were in one place, Jehu and his men unsheathed their swords and began to kill every last one of them. The screams were tormenting. Blood filled the room up to Jehu's ankles. Tears streamed down his face, but his mind was resolute. With one final wave of strength, Jehu and his men toppled the statue of Baal, dragging it into the wilderness and set it on fire. The large temple of Baal was dismantled and destroyed. In its place, Jehu constructed a public toilet for all of Israel to use. It would serve as a continual reminder that no honor would be given to a false god. The Lord promised to bless Jehu and his descendants for years to come. Jehu then reigned as king over Israel for twenty-eight years. It would be lovely to think Jehu rode off into the future with a flourishing spirit, honoring God with his whole heart. Unfortunately, the king who cleansed Israel of so much evil was exposed to his own inner darkness. After the cleansing of Ahab's line and the worshippers of Baal, Jehu's heart grew dark and calloused. He did not pursue God's heart as David once did. Rather, he half-heartedly ruled. No vision, no obedience. The kingdom of Israel diminished each year under Jehu's reign. 
His time as king served as a reminder that finishing well was just as important as starting well. Jehu's heart grew tired. He denied evil, but he did not cling to what was good. As a result, he was cut off from truly experiencing the glory of God on earth. As we begin today's passage, Jehu still has business to attend to. For starters, the most wicked of all, Jezebel, was still alive, and her time for judgment had come. Hearing that Jehu is in Jezreel, the queen painted her eyes and dressed like a queen. She knew her time had come, but she would be defiant and hold to her high position to the very end. From her window high above Jehu, she greeted him with scorn, calling him a killer and a murderer of his master. Jehu did not give thought to her words, but called up to her window to the slaves, asking if any were on his side. When two of the three eunuchs looked out the window to him, he told them to throw her down. The once fearsome queen who had killed hundreds of God's prophets and led King Ahab and the nation of Israel into utter darkness and idolatry was summarily executed as her slaves tossed her from the window. Her body spilled its blood on the ground below and was trampled by Jehu's horses. He called for her body to be given a dignified burial, for she was nobility. But then he was reminded of God's words concerning her, and as his servants went to fetch the body, they found that just as God had said, she had been carried off by dogs. Her flesh consumed so there was no body to bury. Jezebel would not stand as a pagan martyr. She became fertilizer for the very land she terrorized with her evil. But Ahab's ungodly line still needed to be cut off. Jehu had more work to do. First, he sent word to the elders of Samaria that he would face Ahab's sons in battle. They were to choose one of his sons as king, and he would fight them. But the elders knew Jehu was too powerful, so their allegiance was quick to shift to the new king. They professed loyalty to Jehu and asked what they could do. It would have been tempting for Jehu to rest then, knowing that the line of the king Ahab was no longer in power. But God had called him to wipe out the evil, and letting Ahab's sons live would have been disobedient to God. So he called for the heads of Ahab's sons and displayed them at the city gates. It was a gruesome reminder of the high price of sin and evil and judgment. God's word would not return void, and Jehu continued to wipe out Ahab's family and his friends and priests who supported the king during his wicked reign. These passages, of course, are very violent and perhaps difficult to understand for some. So much killing, so much terror and horror, all coming at the direction of God. But we must not forget that our God is a holy God. He is a righteous God and demands righteousness of his people. He will fight fiercely to protect those that he loves. And God loves Israel as he loves his church family today. He loves us with a fierceness that is unmatched. Back in the day with Israel, these men who had led the nation astray were a threat to God's children, and they had to be dealt with firmly and fairly. Jehu's cleansing of Israel continued as he struck down more and more people, but along the way, he encountered other righteous men, like Jehonadab. The men shared a zeal for the Lord, and Jehonadab rode with Jehu, an ally in the fight for the very soul of Israel. The pathway of righteousness can often be a lonely one, and we do well to find those who share our passion to doing the will of God, just as Jehu found this man. 
Finally, Jehu called together the prophets of Baal. He made them believe he was turning to their false god. But as they were all assembled, he had every last prophet of Baal put to death. The pagan temple was destroyed, and a public latrine was placed there as a sign that idol worship was despicable and vile and filthy. Jehu fought valiantly for the Lord and accomplished great things for God. But sadly, with time, he grew numb and complacent, failing to walk with the Lord. Though he had done much for God, his legacy was sullied by his failure to hold fast to God. It is a striking reminder that we are to run hard the race that is set before us all the way to the end. We must commit and never quit and not grow weary in doing good. We must always trust in God and live in the righteousness that he provides us in Christ by the power of his spirit. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for today's reading. As difficult as it is to hear, we know that you are God of righteousness and justice, that you do judge the wicked, that you are angry, according to your word, with the wicked every day. So we pray that we will trust you in your judgment of all things. May we be productive all the days of our lives and faithful to you in every season of life, that we would never turn away from letting you have complete control of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to today's Bible in a Year podcast. We are so very grateful for the millions of people who have downloaded this podcast. I'm Pastor Jack Graham. And when you download the Pray.com app and make it a priority in your life to listen to God's Word, your life truly will be changed. We are hearing reports from so many of the power of God's Word in their lives. So let me encourage you to pass this podcast on to others, to share it with someone you know, someone you care about, because the Word of God truly will change lives. And if you want more resources on how to experience God's power in your life, be sure to visit jackgraham.org. We would love to connect with you and for you to connect with us. Again, that's jackgraham.org. God bless you. This episode is sponsored by MediShare, an innovative healthcare solution for Christians to save money without sacrificing quality.